right, everybody. Well, welcome back to our relaunch of the No Man's Land Tennis Podcast. It has been about 18 months since we've been uh, back back on the on the mics with the boys, but we're joined by Cole Wernicke from the Retiree Safe Haven of the U.S. out in Scottsdale, Arizona. We've also got a new member of the pod. He's a former guest from one of our podcasts about two years ago. He's now a full-time member of the podcast this season. We got Keith Gorman from up in the Philly area. Um, I'm currently down in Virginia Beach with my Georgetown teams uh, for this podcast, and we're playing Old Dominion this afternoon. So we'll have to check in next week, see how the Hoyas are doing. Gentlemen, I'm excited to be on. This is going to be a fun new year. Uh, this was uh, this was cool. I'm glad we finally got this all together. Yeah, very excited to bring this uh, this relaunch. Great usage there, Fred. I'm really excited to bring that back and. Uh, I'm not retired. I just moved to an area where it's retirement central, but I'm very much still working. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the clarification on that. (laughs) Well, today we're going to dive into a little bit about what we missed in the last 18 months or so since we kind of had our last episode. Um, We're also going to touch on the Australian Open, making some of our picks for the season um, and introduce our, our segment called Getting the Bump. Um, where we're each going to pick a player, kind of follow throughout the course of the season. Um, so kind of starting out with what we missed since last being on the airwaves, we saw the maiden Grand Slam at Daniil Medvedev, the rise of youngster Carlos Alcaraz, the crazy COVID debacle involving Djokovic and his ejection from the country of Australia. And of course, the biggest thing we missed was probably the retirement of, I know, my idol and, and probably Cole's idol and maybe even Keith, Roger Federer. Um, boys. Roger, I can't believe it. Cole, Cole, where's your head at after all this? Yeah, it's a bit tough. Um, I don't know if he's if he's Keith's idol because he doesn't play with the Dunlop. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so with his retirement, um, very tough to uh, sort of accept that, um, especially because he looked, you know, better than serviceable when he was playing. Um, and just to just to highlight the uh, the his final match, right? He played uh, doubles against the two Americans, Sock and uh, Tiafo. It's, uh, they lost 11-9 in the breaker. Um, and I was really hoping he could go out on a, on a high with uh, Nadal, Nadal coming back just for this event. I mean, Nadal was having some uh, trouble with the birth of his first child. And it was just, it just, I mean, labor cup surrounded by all these greats um it was just would have been a fairy tale ending i wish the americans would have thrown the match but that's neither here nor there <laughs> um but the thing that really you know resonates with me is you know i think roger's always been the most vulnerable when he's had the mic um and jim courier is nothing better than jim courier on the mic with him asking the questions and uh yeah it was just very emotional uh, jim was asking him about his family and uh, it, just to see Roger lose it and ex- sort of accept that it was all over um, kind of makes you see, uh, you know, the type of person he is and how much it, it really uh, is weighed on him. And then you also saw Novak, Nadal and Murray all crying as well. And, you know, you know, he's boys with Nadal and uh, it's fine. And, and you know, I think he gets on well with Murray, but Novak and him never didn't really, you know, get on the best throughout their entire careers. But it, it kind of just feels like there's that mutual respect when it came to that retirement. So, yeah, emotional, but, uh, you know, time time waits for no one. Yeah. Keith, thoughts? I mean, 
I I mean, it was like the saddest thing about the the, the Fed retirement. I think it's 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 great that we're touching on it. Was just that he didn't really get to go out on his own terms. Like it just kind of got sucked away from him. Like the, the end of his career just kind of like passed by real quickly. It was like 2019. We're remembering him like should have winning a Wimbledon looking great, like looking like the best player in the world at like 40 years old. And we were all just like, yeah, this is it. We're going to get years and years of fed. And he just never, like, he never was able to recover. The knee was always an issue. And uh, I was actually fortunate. I was there. I was there at that labor cup. I wasn't there for the match uh, that day. They had a practice um, at the labor cup. Uh, so I got to say in my life, I got to watch Federer play live, which was sick, but they did a, an open practice. The Americans went out first uh, it was fun. It was great. And then the the Europeans came out instead of it. And instead of it being a team practice, it was fed in the doll playing as Djokovic and Murray and like kind of like a they almost they played like a full set of doubles. And it was surreal to watch him hit. He looked clean as ever hitting the ball. And I think a lot of fans are like, well, why did he retire then? Why did he do this and that? What always made Federer like fun to watch was that he made the game look easy. It was like Tiger kind of for the tennis world. Like you just like he pulled out things you never saw. He like, you know, he moved in ways that looked graceful. He hit shots you didn't see. The shots were still there, but it looked like he was moving in boots. Like it looked painful for him to move. Um, I think we saw that. And uh, it, it it was just like, you know, I wanted him to go out in his own terms. I think we all did. I think we all wanted it to happen at Wimbledon or maybe at Basel or something like that. But but I remember Kate and I being in um, in London at a, like at a bar, like almost in tears, like thirty people next to us. We were just like, like everybody was like, "It's happening! It's now!" And we were like, it was just one of the most surreal moments at like twelve thirty at night, London time, to to watch that, and it uh, and it, it just it, it kind of made you reminisce about how great how great Fed was over the time of his career. Yeah, I, I mean, I think kind of what you said Keith like you you think about the epitome of our sport and just the way he carried himself and the way he played and the shots he could hit like I'm thinking back on the way I grew up trying to play tennis like it's I spent three years going back and forth between a one and a two-handed backhand because all I wanted to do was be like Roger but I wasn't strong enough to be like Roger and I just kept <laughs> trying to do it I was using the rackets he was using and I should have probably used something that was two ounces lighter like I just, it's, it still hasn't hit me. I think it's going to take a full tour season without him for it, for me really to be like, okay, wow, this guy's done. Um, it's going to take more than one, Fred. Yeah. I think it's uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, and when you talked about getting to see him, that's just so cool. Like I know Cole had a couple of missed opportunities on trying to see him. I, I didn't get to see him. So I, I think Cole and I, we're going to have to road trip to wherever the first champions tour event is. Or hey, or the first uh, Padel Championship because apparently he's picked that up in Dubai. No movement; it works out real well for him. <laughs> yeah, don't right. let me see you playing pickle, Raj. Uh, yeah, don't. Let's not get into that. I think I mean, I'm gonna bleep out that word um, during the podcast whenever it's brought up. But I kind mean, of I, I, I want to circle back to what Keith had said and and sort of just he, at the end of your statement, you sort of said like what make what made him great. Like what sort of did make him great in, in your guys' eyes? I guess let's start with Keith. Like what kind of what make what made Fed great? 
Well, I, I also wanted to touch on something you also said there, Fred, which was like his impact on the game. Like we have three one-handed backhands in this group. Like we're the, the ugly one-handed backhand boys. Like, you know, we're the, we're the less attractive version of that group. Like my nickname in my friend group was Roger Fatterer instead of Federer. It was just like the fat version of, of Roger. Like, you know, that was like the fun way that people, but I mean, what made Federer great to me was like his vulnerability. Like, there was an essence in when Federer played that it wasn't inevitable. Like there was always like a nervy kind of like greatness about him. Like Tiger, you knew he was going to close out a tournament. And like recently you knew Novak was never going to miss a return down match point or never. And you knew Nadal was never going to like, you knew Nadal was never going to give up and quit and, and not, and, and not fight. But not the, like Federer, there was almost like an inevitability of like, Oh my God, he's human. Like he's so human in this moment. And like he even lost the match being human. Like he had match points serving it out. Like Cole, you talked about that. He had match points serving out the Labor Cup and lost. Like we we're all like everybody's oh, it's a fairy tale ending. And then he like yeah. he missed like he missed like an easy ball, I think, and like lo- and like lost that match. But I mean, looking back at it, we get to see how dominant Fed was. And I, I had I wanted to pull up some stats here that just shows how absolutely dominant this guy was for a number of years and how he put tennis back on the map. Um he Obviously broke Sampras's record, the first one to break his 14 Grand Slams. Did that, I think, at 09 Wimbledon. Um, he has eight Wimbledons. Nobody has more than that. Uh, currently 20 Grand Slams. He entered 81 Grand Slams in his career. He made the final 31 of them. Uh, made the semis in another t- – and made the semis in, like, another 15. So half the majors that he entered, he was going to finish first, second, third, or fourth. Uh, career Grand Slam, which is unbelievable – uh, 17 times World Tour Finals, uh, winning six of them. He made 23 consecutive Grand Slam semifinals in his career, 10 consecutive Grand Slam finals in 05 to 08, where he was just the best player that we've ever seen. Uh, went to eight straight, then went to eight straight finals after he broke that. So he went to 17 of 18 finals uh, from 05 Aussie to, excuse me, the 05 Wimbledon and, and the 2010 Australian Open. Uh, 237 consecutive weeks at world number one, over 300 total world number one. Um, he's got seven tournaments that he won six times or more. Uh, the, the, you know, Cole, I'm curious to see if you can name some of them because I know you're such a big fed, fed fanboy. You could probably get them. What do you think they are, buddy? Oh. Seven, seven tournaments he won six times or more. One, I already gave you the answer. Oh, Halle? Yep. He won uh, World Tour Finals? Yep. Uh, Wimbledon? Yep. Um, seven times or more. Let's say, oh my gosh, uh, right now, Dubai. Yep. <laughs> um, there's only only set Basel. Yep, Swiss indoors. Yeah, Basel. Uh, I need two more. Uh, shoot. Eh, not Indian Wells. No, not Indian Wells. But you're no. in the right track. Uh, Miami. Nope. Other other one in the U.S. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, <laughs> uh, and then I don't know the seventh. Canada, maybe I don't know. No, no. Um, Fred, you got the seven. Rotterdam. Nope. Do you got the sur? Uh, no, don't give me the surface. Um... I give you the surface. Hardcourt. Outdoor. Oh. Coming up. Coming, Coming up. up. I don't know. He's Aussie, the Aussie seven times. I forgot how dominant he was at the Aussie for a while before it became Djokovic's tournament. Yeah, true. I mean, the yeah. guy got, the guy has twenty, and he only yes. has one French. So there's yep. a lot of other ones that have to come into play. 
Yeah. No, there's so many more. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I know. But Cole, that was absolutely unbelievable how well you rolled through that. That's funny. I couldn't believe you, you nailed that so much right there. Yeah, but I, but I mean, uh, I think we got to take Cole down from the top tier Fed fan down a notch because he couldn't name all of them. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, earn, you have to earn back that status. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it. Just like those stats, like like you'll never. I mean, you'll see people touch them right now because we have the three greats. But it just we forget how dominant he was because he kind of got lost in with that great three of Rafa and Novak. Yeah, I mean. For me, for for me, what made him great was the uh, sort of the bridge between the two different players that he was. So, yeah, there's a lot of debate of what his greatest season was. I mean, 2017 was a great year. I mean, he he won that final in Australia with uh, you know against uh, Nadal in five, and then he beat him in Indian Wells, and then he won Miami, and then he won Wimbledon, and he did it at the age of like I think probably 36 at that time. Yep. Um, and that was sort of like lacing backhand, short point fed, and and you know the, the you know just get it over with attack, attack, attack. But for me, like his greatest season was 2006 when he went 92 and five. Um, Ninety. He, 92 and five. I thought yes, that's crazy. 95 percent win percentage. He lost to two players only that year. Rafa, Rafa twice, yes. probably. Four probably times. Twice. Four. Four times Three Rafa. on clay, one in Dubai final, and then he lost two. Hold on. Uh, that was the year he lost to Martin top, Fish. Top five player? Yeah, at the time, yeah. That was when he lost to Martin Cincinnati, Fish. Cincinnati, lost to him in Cincinnati. Andy? Right. Andy. Lost yeah, to young Andy. Andy Murray. Yeah, so the, and the funny oh, thing is. And, wait, Andy Murray or Andy Roddick? Andy Murray. Young Andy Murray, very young Andy Murray. When the, he was like the funny thing is, Andy Murray or Andy Murray wins. It was round of thirty-two, and then uh, Roddick wins Cincinnati. Federer plays Cincinnati in the U.S. Open and just cooks him. <laughs> <laughs> but just the dominance of this year. I mean, James Blake won an Olympic gold in two thousand eight, and in two thousand six, it was prime Blake, and he played him three times that year and gave him bagel sets, two out of those three matches. Was that the World Tour final where he won like oh one and three or something like that? Like yeah, it was like the yeah, worst was shellacking just, of all. It was an absolute beatdown of the year. He ended the year on a sixteen match win streak, which carried over to next year twenty nine, and I think he ended. Uh, I'm not doing the math right, but I ended up with like forty one total matches from the year end into the next year of two thousand seven, and the year before that in two thousand five he went eighty one and four. Like it's just an un, it's just unbelievable the dominance at that uh, young level when you're grinding out points and points are longer and you know you're not necessarily serving and volleying and trying to end points like he was at forty. So that that's what is amazing to me is that he could adapt, change his game, and still come home with the with the with the brass. Oh, well, I guess like looking towards you know maybe what Fed will do next. I mean talking about reminiscing about what he's done kind of makes me think, I don't know, is, is he going to get into coaching? Is he going to maybe get up in the commentary booth? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. I mean, for, for me, I think, I don't know. I think it'd be really cool if he maybe stayed in Switzerland and, and did something with the Federation there. I know sometimes a lot of big, big players in their countries really try to get back um, and get back in their home countries. And it's not like, 
Swiss tennis has been very dominant outside of him. And then obviously Stan was phenomenal, but it, it's not like some of these other countries where you have maybe Rafa and then someone else. And then there's like 10 other Spanish guys that are in the top 50 or 60. It's just Switzerland hasn't had that. So I think that would be a really cool transition for him. And I feel like just the kind of guy he is and the community guy he is, I can see him doing that maybe more so than being on the mic somewhere. But I think it could be really cool if he's on the mic somewhere or does some more appearances like that, especially after watching that interview he did with Trevor Noah um, a couple of weeks back. I, I thought that was awesome and like got to see a side of him that we like aren't quite used to seeing. And, and he was like just normal and like a normal guy, like telling stories about how he couldn't get into Wimbledon and like for a cup of tea. Like, <laughs> that, like that's like that stuff is awesome. And I think if you put him in the booth, like he's going to just have people stuff's going to happen on a court and a, a good commentator is going to ask him like, what would you have done there? Or like, Oh, has anything like that ever happened to you? Well, actually like, it'll tell some story that we've never heard of from O2. And I think that, would be, I think that would be awesome. But I, I yeah. think he's going to go and I hope he goes more of maybe a coaching route just because I don't know the, I think people underestimate his tennis IQ, like, cause he makes everything look so easy. And it looks like he's not even thinking out there, but I think he's thinking more than everybody else. Yeah, I think uh, assistant coaching role is always open for him at Georgetown. But um, <laughs> I think I think on retirement immediately, the reason he, you know, the reason he's always been contemplating retirement, not you know, with the knees separate, has been family. So I think. Uh, the focus really probably for the next few years will be, you know, the kids and um, and his wife and uh, two sets of twins. So and I know that one of them is very is pretty good. at One of the boys is pretty good at tennis. I mean, Raj isn't a close personal friend, but it's it's pretty public knowledge that that either Leo or Lenny is is going to be a god. And uh, we can't wait for his arrival like Charlie Woods. Um, and then we'll <laughs> see. And then we'll see uh, if Roger gets back out coaching with him. That's where I think it's going to go. But until then, I think it's. Uniqlo, you know, and it's Rolex ads and it's Moe and Shandon commercials and Zurich tourism. And I think it's all that aura that it, that made Federer. And uh, I'd like to see him, you know, come sit courtside at Wimbledon in the Royal Box just to be around and everything. But um, I think he's going to be, you know, pretty private and with that elevated profile that he's created for himself. Um, and then as as time goes, he may change. Don't forget about that lint chocolate. Yeah, I was, oh, I was yeah. gonna say the the big boy, oh. big boy over here was thinking lint chocolate. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> I saw Keith's mouth watering, and I was like, Dude, we're, "We're forgetting either Barilla or." Yeah, I was, I was thinking <laughs> that was a great video. If you saw that with him, with this, the Barillas, like the kid that wanted to meet him or something That's like so that. that oh, so watch good. it on YouTube. It, it, it's it, is it Barilla? Is that how you say that? I've seen it. Yeah. It's good. It's very it, good. Watch that when you get the chance. It's unbelievable. Um, and like it, it may, it'll bring a tear to your eye. It's really cool. Yeah, but um, so good. I want I, Fred. I wanted to loop back to something you said about like Fed on that Trevor Noah interview. If, if you haven't seen that, give it a look. It was so funny. But I I saw social social media go irate because like. Like the, the security guard wouldn't let Roger Federer into Wimbledon because he didn't have like his little pass. Like, no, that security guard should get a raise. Rules like, that security rules. guard stuck to their guns and was like, no, you don't have a pass. You're not getting it. I don't care how many of these things have. Like, you know, like, it, like that, that, <laughs> like that security guard was like, nah, uh uh-uh. uh. 
uh-uh, you're not coming into this place. I thought that was, I thought that was awesome. And, uh, and I, I loved how like little he could quiet brag about it. And then he tried to quiet brag and like failed, like yeah. just completely like epically fell on his face. Like it was, it was, it was, uh, it was funny to listen to. It's on, we'll, we'll have to ping that in the, uh, uh, to watch that. But I think, I think both of you guys make good points about what's the next step for Federer. I, I, I believe that, there, there's a mark missed here for tennis if he doesn't take the tiger role and like what we're seeing with golf, which is like tiger with all the tailor-made guys uh, testing out clubs, like showing how unbelievable he is. There's like a video recently they posted of like tiger, like talking about the new stealth driver, whatever it was. He goes, yeah, it's more forgiving on like the toe hit and the heel hit. And like the toe impact for him was like a eighth of an inch off center and the heel impact was like an eighth of an inch off center. And you were just like, fuck you dude that's 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 not a heel hit that's not a toe miss like no it's like you're such a prick like that ain't it but like he's like tiger has like embraced the fact that like he knows he's like the god of of golf and like has made it so accessible to everybody if federer doesn't start doing that tennis is going to find itself in like a weird place because tennis for the past 25 years has just been like hey we have the three greatest tennis players of all time have fun like let's start getting these guys to be more vocal i want to see like wilson doing videos with like trick shots and fun playing i want to see like celebrity tournaments and stuff like that with like actually good players like fred like steve nash would be great for that kind of stuff like an accomplished player like you know like that's the kind of stuff that i think we need to see federer doing just to start getting the game more marketed to like younger more fun people to listen to, like watch it and i i think if he hides in a coaching aspect we'll never hear from him like you know he'll just kind of be in the box going like this a lot like, you know, yes, great job. Like, you know, sign a little clap. Like, like stay stay positive. Like, good job. Like, yes, nice. Like, you know, yeah. Oh, like, you know, I don't want to say that. I want, I want Fed. I want Fed in the limelight. I want him out there. And when Rafa and Novak retire, and you know how I feel about Novak, but I want them out there in the limelight. I want them, like, you know, promoting the hell out of the game so we can get more people so it doesn't just dissipate off. Um, I think if tennis doesn't do that, it's gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna fall out a little bit. Yeah. We're starting to see that a little bit. Netflix documentary about the drop breakpoint is I'm hoping gonna highlight a, a, a lot of the stuff on there, uh, and we'll see like what the next gen of guys look like. But get them involved. Get them involved. Get Fed involved. That's that's a great point, and I think yeah, bringing up the Netflix. I think I know we're all gonna watch that. Um, it's dropping. Finished it. Like yeah, it, it's about to drop. And we're all going to watch it, hopefully, and, and we'll recap that at some point in future episode. But I think, like you said, Keith, I think it's going to be that's going to be really good for tennis. But I think, yeah, those three guys need to finish their careers. And I, I, I never thought about it that way. But you're right. Like we've been so we've taken it for granted at how tennis just like we had the best era of all time. You don't even have to think about it. And now we have to wait for this next guard to come in. And what are they going to do? <clears throat> It's it's so much like every other sport has to deal with the fact of like what if like Wilt Chamberlain and Shaquille O'Neal played like center against each other like who would win and like what if like Larry played Kevin Durant like those great basketball videos that like uh that, like you know they do the animated basketball videos like what a one on one matchup would look like we had that in real life for tennis like I know we we didn't have Sampras and we didn't have Laver and like the older greats but we had like undoubtedly the three greatest players right now and they played each other like 40 50 times a piece like yeah, we yeah. saw it like we watched it with our own eyes like no other sport got that 
And if we, if tennis doesn't take advantage of that, that's why I want him out there. Like that's just the coolest thing about what we had for the past 20 years. And tennis is in a good spot because of it. Yeah, for sure. Well, why don't we kind of shift gears and look more towards the future? We got Oz open starting in a day or two. By the time this probably drops, it'll be first ball will probably be hit, as Cole likes to say, for, for sure. Yeah, first ball, baby. <laughs> yeah, first ball being hit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for me, the Aussie, I, I'm, I get so pumped for the Aussie. I, like, And some of it's even just like nostalgia, like remembering when I'm staying up till like 3.30 in the morning watching like Fed or even just like a random match that's gone gone the distance or days where even when I was in college, we're getting up at like 6.15, 6.30 for lift. And I'm getting up for lift at 6.30 and like Hewitt's still on the court. And it's like it's like 4 a.m. in Australia. I'm like, this is insane. This is awesome. Um, so I, I'm pumped for another go around to this. And it seems like COVID's all pretty normal over there now. Like things are moving past. And so it's they're going to have the full-fledged scenery going over there. And I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, I uh, I absolutely think the Happy Slam is the best vibe to start the entire season with. It is such a good slam. Um, Melbourne, coffee scene, Freedom Square, wall art all over the place. This place has like concerts in, uh, I think it's like Grand Slam Oval or near it, somewhere on their grounds. Um, but it's just... You know, the sun's out, weather's great, and, uh, you know, the koalas are around. It's just a very inviting tournament to start your year. It's like you just can't be – you can't be upset heading down under. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for that, and uh, it always it always puts a smile on my face when this baby rolls around. Is it sad to say that I like the Australian Open more than the U.S. Open? I really oh, do. Oh, my God. I really do. I Call, call me, call me Anthony. I love it. Like – when I first got into tennis, when I first met you guys, like my first ever major final, like full watch all the way through was the Rafa fed final in, 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 in Aussie. Like it's something about like maybe being on like in the U S about the Australian open. That's so much fun that it's like, you have new year's resolutions. Like, you know, you feel like it's the start of a new year and then bam, you're like, it's kicking off the year of tennis. And like, it's always good. Cause you know, the players are generally never really injured Cause it's like, they haven't had like a grueling, like, you know, season going through yet. And like, just the way they built that tournament to just be kind of like the perfect median tournament in terms of like speed of like the play, like, you know, they have great arenas, the coverage is, the coverage is always great. Um, it just, that tournament, just that tournament gets a, gets you going a little bit. And I think it's just like, it's such, it's my second favorite major Wimbledon's one in it. And, and the Aussie is too. I, I love starting off the year and like, falling asleep uh there's the, like you know falling asleep at like you know one o'clock in the morning uh if you ever any any anybody listening if you ever need to fall asleep just put on like an isner match hopefully he goes off at like 12 if you're having trouble sleeping at night throw on a little john isner match like you know you'll just hit you'll just hear a couple serves and you'll pass out and you'll wake up to the crowd at like 5 a.m of like a much better match and then you'll turn the tv off go right back to bed it's wonderful <laughs> yeah I, I think um yeah, I think touching on like why you said it's better than the U.S. Open, there's a sport. I, I got to spend a lot of time down in Australia and we all have got a few guys that were on our team from Virginia Tech, Cole, um, that are Aussies. And the sports culture down there is insane. And they're just they love it. and They love their sport. And this is the biggest thing for tennis in their country. And 
in America, like the U.S. Open's awesome and it's huge and it's big and this and that, but tennis is like the tenth sport in America. And by the time you're getting to a quarters of a U.S. Open, eighty percent of the fans are just rich people that have tickets that get to sit down low, and they're not. It's, it's not the same in Australia. Guys are like slugging beers on the changeover. <laughs> like it's in it's it's rowdy all the time, especially when an Aussie's playing. But just in general, they love their sport, and tennis is like probably a top four sport over there which yep. you you can tell you it garners the respect that it deserves and in the u.s it's just not the same because it's it's just 10th fiddle to the other sports that are out there um so i, I think i think that's a big difference on on why the aussie kind of has this different vibe to it do you yeah, think you I'm... need like a certain blood alcohol content to get into the <laughs> like into like the match at the Australian Open if you're old enough? Like, do you think it's like you know like oh like you have to take a breathalyzer to make sure you're just drunk enough to get in? Like you're like you <laughs> like you know they test how well you do in Aussie Aussie Aussie. Like you know they they got to do you think that they have that? Because I would hope so. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's shirts off, but you're not allowed entry. Nobody nobody wants to see that out of me. Cool. <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I think it's all, big. It's all big all yellow about. paint with uh, an AUS on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can get the whole Australia. I can. I can write out the whole. I, can the whole <laughs> I think each of us could just shave it into our chest. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. There's no no shortage of hair on this podcast. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. But I I think and Nicole, you talk or I think Keith brought up the stadiums. I got I got to go to Melbourne Park when I was there, and the stadiums are so cool. They used I got to watch an NBL game, so like their version of the NBA basketball, and it was in is Hisense now called Kia Arena? Is that now? It's, yeah, it's your fifteen seventy three. There's a bunch. Fifteen. Yeah, they, yeah, right. They all they all are. Yeah, sponsored. they're all sponsored, but it used to be Hisense Arena, and when I was there, and that's where they played this NBL game. They just closed the little roof. And you're you're in like this tennis stadium, but then they got the basketball court down. And you walk 25 steps, and then there's some other like cool looking stadium. And it's just it's really well done. And obviously it helps that the weather is just incredible. And you're right along the river and the Melbourne Cricket Grounds is Cricket Grounds is right there. Uh oh, just it's yeah, it's like a sports heaven there. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's it's fun to like when you have the lead up tournaments going into it, you, you get to see who's coming out of the year off the bat. Well, and that's where it gets like that's where the tournament, like there's so there's expectations and those expectations can dissipate really quickly. Like, I think we kind of saw last year, like Alcaraz, like kind of has a little bit of coming out party there, which led into like an unbelievably good season. And, and this year we could be seeing the same things with like some other young guys, like maybe like, a Seb Cordo or Taylor Fritz. Uh, personally, like I bet, I, I put a futures bet on Fritz to win the tournament because he's just looked like the best, like one of the five best players in the world right now going into it. And I, and it's, it's, that's what makes it fun. Cause there's like an, there's like an air of an edit, like what's going to happen. And you're basing it off of like a week going into it. And then you yeah. just get to watch a tournament and see how the year is going to play out. Is, is Taylor Fritz your pick? I think Taylor Fritz is my pick to win i think i'm finally picking oh my god i'm not i'm not a guy that gets on like the big like oh an american's gonna win a slam this year like you know we he has to do it just because it hasn't happened since like the revolutionary war like you know like like i like i don't get into that but i just think he's played so 
unbelievably well, and he's a name that you should keep out for if he stays healthy. Uh, wow. I mean, since that knee injury a year ago, he's lost like six times. He's been unbelievable. I was not ready for a Taylor Fritz pick this morning, but I will I'll take that. <laughs> um, yeah, he's been playing well. I, I, he's, he's a big focal point in this Netflix doc, which we'll talk about, you know, moving forward. But uh, I don't know if he's ready for the title yet, but I, I'll say quarterfinal semis for you, Keith. Um, my pick is uh stefanos Sitsipas. oh i guess i gotta change mine now <laughs> that is brutal That's it's got he's got it. uh four semis under his belt um and and one he's been to the final so he's he's been he's been through this ringer before and i just feel like the maturity has come the relationship with his father slash coach is a lot better uh, i don't think he's throwing rackets left and right anymore he went undefeated in the United Cup, and I think he would have learned a lot from last season's, um, you know, tour. I'll just say that all the crazy matches he played in in the slams and how to how to sort of focus on his game and not what everybody else is doing or trying to create. Um, I think he, uh, I think he's ready. I think he's ready. I think I think he I think he's always a bridesmaid and looks like a bridesmaid, baby. He just, <laughs> he, he just. But yeah, I was I can't believe Cole took Steph, dude. I and I was gonna take Steph, and I do not like that guy, man. I do not. But I just I, I'm with you. I think he's like on, he's on the verge. Like he's he's right there. I think I think this could be the year he wins a slam, and I think this could be his best opportunity. But with that being said, I'm gonna take another guy that. He's coming around to me, um, and for whatever reason, I don't know why I haven't liked him, but Felix Alger Aliasim. Do you know? Do you guys know what seed he is in in this tournament? Five or four? He's like the six seed. He's six. Wow. What? The, what am I listening to, Fred? You guys, you don't know this. Fred had a disdain for Felix Alger Aliasim for no reason that I've never heard a person have for 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 FAA. What am I hearing? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, he's finally shown a little personality, I think, and I think that's what's getting me in. Is before I, no, no, no. Him, I felt like he was a tennis robot, and I'm like, man, okay, here's another one of these like kids. Never went to school, like freaking robot. Hit a million backhands, million forehands. Okay, here we go. Like, no, no, he's now showing some personality. I'm, I'm in, and I'm liking the way he's playing. So that's that's gonna be my pick. Uh, is Felix. He's got to get through Stan potentially in round two. But I think if he can, if he can have a strong first two rounds, he's going to, he's going to make a run. I mean, Freddie, I mean, you got to love that. He's just now under the tutelage of uncle Tony, a fellow coach. Yep. I can't believe we're, we're calling ourselves a tennis podcast and nobody picked Novak Djokovic to win the tournament that he's won like <laughs> nine times. <laughs> that's, that's boring. <laughs> It's also most likely probably going to be right. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be right. I mean, F, I, man, I can't. I just I, this is this is unbelievable. Listen to Fred pick FAA. Wow, crazy. Well, let's let's dive into some women's picks. Keith, who who are you liking? I, it's, I mean, I watched her play at the U.S. Open and just watch her just rip apart Yad Zabor. It's it's got to be Iga Iga Schwantek, as as Cole likes to say. Uh, Iga is just like she is a tennis robot. 
like but she's like you know she's she seems like a very nice like you know and has like a little bit of personality but like when she's on the court like there's one thought in her mind and it's just how am i going to win the next point like she frequently forgets changeovers because she's like so focused on like the next point or the prior point something like that she's just been the best player far and beyond for for a, a year or two and you gotta pick her yeah quick note on that i don't think she makes it out of the first round wow niemeyer takes her out first round you heard it here wow you heard it here um yeah absolute anyway. legend anyway my my women's pick I'm, I'm debating between a couple americans it's gonna be pagula and it's because she's the three seed for number three damar hamlin <laughs> it's fate. all right it's destiny all right it's true yeah the, her family the, her family's with the bills yeah. She she talked all about Tamar Hamlin. She's now the three seed. Um, I was between her and Coco Goff, but the second I saw the three seed, I'm like, it just stuck out to me. I'm like, Jess is winning. Pagula, balls open. I'm gonna take uh, Arena Sabalenka. Um, she's coming off. She's coming off a final in the uh, WTA finals, and then she also just won Adelaide. Adelaide won. So she's in form, um, and I think just, you know, with her figuring out her serve, I know she had a lot of double fault issues past year, two years. Um, at one point, she was underarm serving uh, her second serves because she can, you know, she had the yips, essentially. And then, uh, you know, that is, seems to be shored up. Her game's a little bit stronger, much stronger now. And then, you know, the draw. I mean, there's no Barty. Barty is the defender, and she's retired. Uh, there's no Bedosa, there's no Tomlanovic, there's no Halep, and there's no Serena. So um, I think the person she's got to worry about is Fiontech. But I also agree with Freddie that she's going to lose in the first round to the woman who got no points for going deep at Wimbledon. <laughs> oh, man. We'll see how it shakes out. I, the one thing I wanted to – I mean, Cole, can we just talk about – has anybody seen, like, any of the pictures that, like, Ash Barty puts on, like, social media? With like her like partner like this this guy that they're expecting are they expecting I can't remember but this guy he's like an average looking like golf nut who like occasionally plays tennis and I'm like is is Ash Party dating me I was like I was like I was like I was, I was like did this somehow happen Hey love is love <laughs> she got a good little golf swing Ash Party she she can play a little, she she can she can move the rock a little bit Yeah she was out there the other night Yeah good athlete. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, those are the picks. Well, sweet. Well, let's let's transition that into our our season long picks uh, with our segment getting the bump, where where each of us are going to pick a guy, going to follow throughout the course of the season and sort of see see where they end up and predict and and hopefully kind of make a big jump. I, I know last year we kind of did this as a friend group and and it was fun to kind of follow along. I, I took Tommy Paul to sort of make a run in, inside the top thirty, which ended up happening. Keith, who's your guy from last year? From last year, I took Jack Draper, who, like, that was just a I, – I thought for sure Jack Draper would would win out of the friend group. Like, we had that little, like, little side bet going on because he started, like, 120 and finished, like, 42 in the world. And then Cole came out of nowhere with the pick of a century. Guy was, like, 160 in the world who finished in, like, the top 15 – it was it was the best pick. I'll, I'll let the I'll let the drum roll go on and let Cole pick that and like Cole I'm, reveal that one. I'm convinced if Cole didn't live on social media, he wouldn't have found this guy. 
Yeah, it's true. I uh, look. There's no. There's not much more I can say about it. I know how to find talent, and talent just kind of <laughs> talent just kind of speaks to me when I see rip forehands. But uh, Holger Rune. I mean, anybody with a tennis mind would have seen that coming. <laughs> you saw him with those braids on the clay court swing, and was like, "That's my guy." That's a- <laughs> it's a, it's a shame because every match I watched him play, I wanted him to lose. <laughs> What do you think? I mean, that was just an unreal pick. But uh, it was sitting there I, watching uh, him play uh, Shapovalov courtside at City Open, and it went three. And I was like, "Shapo's going to do it. Shapo's going to do it." And then Rune wins, and you find yourself having to clap. And it's just like, uh, God. <laughs> well, Cole, but, who, who's this year's pick? Who's who's your getting the bump pick for? Oh the, yeah, so the twenty three. I'm going along the same lines of finding somebody deep in the trenches. Um, Arthur Cazal from France turned pro 2020. He's been hanging around, uh, hanging out around 500 to 400 range. Just won a challenger, his first challenger. So he'll be around 280, 260, I think. Um, and then he's 20 years old and uh, he's from Montpellier. He's French. French just keep producing great talent year after year after year. Their federation is strong. Um, so we'll we'll see. And, and the shame is he's 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 only 20. He can't drink in the US yet, but you know, we'll, 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 we're we're expecting big things this year. And I I guarantee you, book it here, top 100 before he's 21. When's his birthday? In 10 months. That's oh, so the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> Keith, who you like? Yeah, I, um, I'm sticking on the same route. I picked a Dunlop guy last year. Worked out nicely for your boy. Uh, Alexi Popperin, or as I like to call him, Mary Popperin. Like, you know, like he's just uh, – he's a guy, I think he's right now about 115 in the world, somewhere right in that range. I just see a ridiculous amount of talent. That guy he actually reminds me kind of like a slightly lesser Kevin Anderson. Big, lanky build, big serve. Uh, big forehand, uh, steady backhand. He just got to really feel like he's just got to start winning some close matches. Like it feels like he's a guy that, that if he takes a step this year and starts learning how to play matches, I could see him cracking into the top 30, winning a tournament. Um, I, I mean, I think he's a guy that could win a 500 easily this year. I would love it to be at the City Open when we, if we can all make it down there. If he can get in there, that's that's where I'd like to see him do it. But, um, yeah, it's still Alexi Popper. And I think he's a guy to really watch out for this year in terms of really exceeding where he's at right now. That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be cashing checks with Yuri Lehechka from the Czech Republic. <laughs> he's guys like 70 ish in the world right now. He's had a, a decent like first couple of weeks, but leading up to the open, um, so I'm I'm looking forward to kind of following this guy. He's same same as your guy Cole. He's maybe 20, 21 years old, um, already inside the top 75, right right around where Keith's Keith's guy is Popperin. Um, so I, I think it'll be cool to follow all these guys. Three guys that I mean none of us really follow at all before. So we're, we're going to get to really keep up with this over the course of the season. So I'm pumped to see where guys are at. If my guy finishes above both of your guys, I mean. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You'll <laughs> never hear the end of it. <laughs> I don't know. If your guy finishes above both of ours, we'll have to come up with some sort of punishment. I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that just. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Yeah. He just beat Lloyd Harris in a final. Wait, oh my God. You mean Weird Al Yankovic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys, you got to look that up. Lloyd Harris with the bandana looks just like Weird Al Yankovic. I, they should have had him playing that movie instead of Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not far off there. <laughs> well, good. Well, that, that's all we got today on, on this first episode. And we're, we're so pumped to be back with this relaunch of the No Man's Land podcast. We'll, we'll be back next week, talk a little bit about kind of what's going on the first week of the Aussie. Um, I think that's probably what we'll focus on for the most part next week. Um, in the meantime, get out on the court, play some tennis, talk some trash, as Keith likes to say. Hopefully you'll be tuned in for the Aussie and, and let us know what you think uh, of the first episode. And Cole, you're going to have some more matches of your own. Keith, you're going to have some matches. And I've got my matches with my team. So we'll, we'll kind of keep up with our personal tennis as, as the weeks go on as well. So I'm, I'm pumped to do this with you guys. And I'm glad we got the first one in the books. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, be a good time.